But uh, this morning, as you know, Pastor Jonathan and Tia are in Spokane, and they're, uh, they're at the Genesis Church today. Remember uh, Joshua Bingle that came to minister to our youth this summer? They're in his church this morning. So praise the Lord. They'll be back next Sunday. But he told me, I, I was talking to him this week, and he said he's been spending most of this time just seeking the Lord for what God wants our church for 2018. You know, it's, it's a great responsibility to be a pastor or a, a head of a ministry. And you, you need to hear God. But you know what? You need to hear God too Amen. about what God wants you to do in 2018. Right. Don't just fluff it off and say, well, you know, que sera, sera, what will be, will be. Well, I'll tell you what will be if that's your attitude. It won't be everything God's got. So praise the Lord. Brother Copeland, um, one of my spiritual fathers, uh, had a word in November about 2018. And he, I, I won't give it all, but <clears throat> he said it'd be the year of the Holy Ghost and fire. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. I tell you, you know what? I, I, I went to sleep and I woke up with Holy Ghost meetings. I put it on my computer and uh, just listened and fell asleep with it, woke up with it, of what God is wanting to do. He wants to do it in our church. He wants to do it in every church. Amen? Amen. So we're going to believe for that. Are you going to believe for it? Hallelujah. Praise God. But this morning, we're going to talk about what Deuteronomy 28 says. And you know, in, in most of our weddings that we do, we read Deuteronomy, part of it, over, our, over the couple, the blessings. We bless them. But Deuteronomy 6 says, You're blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Message Bible says, God's blessing in your coming in, God's blessing in your going out. There is a right way to enter a, a relationship, a year, a season, and there's a right way to get out, to come out. Amen? And so you have to find out from the Lord. So you need to come as we end this year. You know, uh, you, might, you might have said some things last year at the first of the year. Man, something like, I'm going to read the Bible all the way through this year. And, you know, if you did, praise the Lord. That's a wonderful thing. And today, with all the apps we have, that's an easy thing to do. Much, much easier than it used to be. But I'm sure many of you had some things that you, goals, some things you wanted to do in 2018. And we get to the last day, do we look back and go, well, I didn't do that. I suppose every one of us, if we did make some goals, didn't reach all our goals. I know I didn't. I suppose that we didn't, but God doesn't want us to look back and regret. He wants us to say, well, thank you, Jesus. You know, thank you that you helped me do what I could. And I'm sorry, Jesus. I repent for not being steadfast in those areas you wanted me to do. But I I am going to go ahead and put it down for 2018. Uh, You know what? You need to write down some goals. Successful people don't just think, oh, well, something will happen. They know what they need. In a business, if you have a business, you know, you need a business plan, right? Well, we, as the people of God, you need to write down what, what you're believing God for. You need to have some faith projects. 
So we're entering into this. <clears throat> Psalm 45, 11. I love this one. You probably hear it you know, many times at the end of the year. You have crowned the year with your bounty. And your past drip with fatness. That's, that is abundance. Amen? Amen? God crowns my year with bounty. He crowns your year with bounty. And so if you come in to a, a year, and understand we're talking about coming into a new year, but this talks about coming into a new relationship, coming into a new job, coming into a new season. You know, I had to go into a new season five years ago or six years ago. And uh, I knew it was coming, and I knew it was the right thing. I knew it was the will of the Lord. But I tell you, I had to get myself ready. And I, I thought I was ready until I got there, and then I found out I wasn't that ready. But you know what? I knew I was doing the will of God. So if you know you're in the will of God, even if it doesn't look like you think it should look, and even if you think, well, I'm not doing that great in it, I'm telling you, God will give you grace. Great grace is on us, amen? So it's important. If you come in into whatever you're coming into, obeying God, then be sure that you're still obeying him when you leave. You know, when, when people leave uh, different things, I remember my mother, uh, she, she was in a, a church that we grew up in, but you know what? She got filled with the Holy Spirit and she was speaking in tongues and our church didn't do that. But my mama loved those people so much. So she, she didn't leave mad. She didn't leave angry. In fact, <laughs> they, they wanted her to come with them every time they went to the old folks' home. They wanted Miss Viola to come and help them sing. And all the preachers would ask, call her and ask them to pray. And so when she had a, a major heart attack, uh, actually she had seven heart attacks in one morning, and God still delivered her, hallelujah. But when she did, they told, they told my uh, brother, now <clears throat> her pastors can come in. Her pastor can come in to the ICU. Well, there was three, three guys out there. They all said they were her pastor. One from the little church, one from the Word of Faith church, and one, one that went to another church that Mama was, that was one of her boys. And so they went in and, and said, Miss, Miss Viola, there's three men out there that say they're your pastor. She said, oh, let them all in. You know why? She left right. She didn't leave offended. She left right. Amen? Amen. And it always blessed me because I thought that's, you know God will lead us into different directions. God will lead us differently. You know, he'll lead us out of something into something. But we got to come out right. So we enter right. Amen? So get things right before you go into the next thing. So uh, Philippians 3, Paul's writing to the church of Philippi. Let me just read that for you and you can open your Bibles. You know, let me just say this. It's important that you take notes some way when the word is being preached. Uh, I, I have a journal. I take notes. But I learned that when I first got saved. And really, this is your Bible school. Amen? This is your Bible school. We are, the Bible says that we are supposed to be students taught of the word. Amen? We're taught. So praise the Lord. 
it's good to take notes. Philippians 3, verse 12. Not that I've already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on to that so that I may lay hold of that for which I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That's so important that we press on. Don't ever give up. Don't ever quit. When you have a feeling that you want to quit, you want to give up, I'm telling you, you find somebody that can encourage you. You find somebody that will pray with you. Don't go to someone else that wants to quit because you'll agree together you're both going to quit. I'm so glad that God puts, you know, when he has godly marriages, most of the time you're both not down at the same time, right? That's a wonderful thing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because it's not good when you're both down. (laughs) It's okay when you're both up, but not both down. That's not good. But, you know, all of us need prayer partners. All of us need people who can can pray with us so that we won't quit. But bottom line, you've got Jesus Christ. And the Word says He always is praying for you. You're never alone. You're never without anybody praying for you. Jesus is praying for you. Can you get better than that? I mean, I got some great friends, and I'm telling you, lots of people would like some of my friends to be praying for them. But bottom line is Jesus is praying for me. That's pretty good. And you have to learn how to read the word for yourself. You have to learn how to seek the Lord for yourself. You have to learn how to go in prayer and praying in the Spirit to hear from God. Amen? Hebrews 11.1. Anybody know what that is? Anybody heard that scripture before? (laughs) It says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. We're going to go into 2018 in faith. We're going to come out of 2017 in faith. The Bible says whatsoever is not of faith is sin. I don't want to be in sin, do you? No. No. Amen. But it says faith. Is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Another translation says the conviction of things not perceived by your five physical senses. You know, if you can, if you can perceive something with your five physical senses, anybody know what the five physical senses are? Help me out. <laughs> Seeing, hearing, Tasting of sense, tasting, smell, touching. If you can have those things, you don't need faith, right? So faith is the assurance of things you can't perceive with your five physical senses. I I love this. I heard one of my friends say this. says, my senses are not to govern my destiny. Do you know that most of the church today, I'm talking about worldwide, particularly in North America, is letting their senses decide their destiny. I don't feel like it. I don't like it. I I just don't feel. Listen, you're not supposed to walk by your feelings. 
If we walked by our feelings, most of us would not be in church this morning because it's just too cold. So I know some, I mean, you have progressed. But that's the truth, isn't it? My destiny is not, my destiny is not governed by my senses. What governs my destiny? Faith. Faith. And what I say. Mark eleven twenty three says, so you can have whatsoever you sayeth. You can have what you say. What are you saying? Anybody think you're doing pretty good on that? I hope you are. But sometimes we say, I don't know why that happened. I don't know why that happened. And then you, sometimes I wish that I would just have a recorder going to listen to myself. Because we don't realize what we say sometimes. And it's good to have a, a partner, maybe a spouse or a friend that, can, that loves you. Now, I'm not talking about jumping down your throat. You know, I used to be the, <clears throat> they called me the word police. And I would get on to everybody. Didn't win a whole lot of people to come to church. <laughs> but, you know, you need to encourage one another to speak right. It's important. And so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, right? The New American Standard translated even better. It says hearing by the word of Christ. Christ being the Messiah, the anointed one and his anointing. The faith comes when you're under the anointing of God. When you're hearing the anointed word of God preach, faith comes. Amen? But it's not hearing it once. Because everything I'm saying to you this morning, I'm probably 70% in here would say, well, I never, you know, I don't know why she's preaching that. I already know that. You might say that. I don't think you'd say that, but you probably have heard it preached. But faith comes from hearing. And that word means over and over, not just hearing it once. Hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. You know, when you're training children, did you tell your child one time not to do something and they went, got it. <laughs> did you tell your children one time to, to pick up their toys? Got it. You'll never have to tell me again, Mom, I got it. I'll pick up my toys. If you did, you had a remarkable child. <laughs> I didn't have that. <laughs> you had to, t you trained them, right? Well, we have to train our senses. We have to train our physical body and our mind to obey the spirit of the Lord because we are a spirit. We live in a body and we have a soul, which is our mind, our will, and our emotions, Right? So we, ha we have to know that God is wanting to speak to us. He's wanting to lead us. And when we go into this new year, God has a destiny. God has a plan for every one of us. You are, you are not being a, a, let's see, a real faith believer if you just go in haphazardly. It'd be like going, making a trip and never looking at a map, never looking at, you know, and he, you just say, well, I'm just going to get on the road and I'll, I'll get to Texas somehow. 
Well, you won't get there as fast. And you might have to ask directions. And let me tell you, when you head to my hometown in Texas, we would always go to Saskatoon and then go down and go to Estevan and cross down there at the border there and go into North Dakota and hit Fargo and those places. But listen, we didn't stop <laughs> in like, uh, you know, one of these small towns in Saskatchewan and say, can you tell me how to get to Texarkana, Texas? Do you think they would know? No. <laughs> Probably not, unless they were a truck driver. We have to have direction, and how do you get direction? I want to tell you, it's time we grow up, church. It's time we grow up and quit acting like babies and quit acting like little children that have to be held. You hold their hand. Listen, my grandson has a better sense of direction than me. Last year, we were going, he and I were to go to Spirontinus last Christmas time. We get in the car. I come this way. I come down the highway here. And I turn. And Moses is sitting in his car seat. He's four years old. And he says, this is the wrong way. <laughs> what do you know? You're four years old. I know how to get to their house. So I turn. And, uh, well, that's, it's not there. So here I go. I'm taking her. And he's, he's in the back seat going, Mimi, you should have turned there. <laughs> but he was right. He was right. This, this summer, he showed me where a new playground was. Mimi, go down here, turn here, turn back over here. We ended at a new playground I'd never been to before. I said, how did you know how to, I mean, it wasn't easy to get to. How did you know where this is? Dee Dee took me. Well, Dee Dee took him probably once or twice, but that's wonderful. But listen, he had to have somebody show him the first time. We have to have somebody to show us. And that somebody for our destiny is called the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus said, I'm not, I'm not going to leave you, you know, without a helper. I'm going to send you a helper. But you have got to take the Holy Spirit and let the Holy Spirit lead you. You cannot say, well, for this I need the Holy Spirit. For this I already know what to do. You have to give it wholly to the Holy Spirit. Amen. Truly, the Holy Spirit, I need help. And how do you get help from the Holy Spirit? You pray much in the Holy Ghost. You pray much in tongues. And if you haven't ever been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues because that's where the Bible says that's where we pray when we don't know how to pray. When you don't know what 2018 holds, I know who holds 2018. You know that old song, I don't, I, I don't know who holds to, well, I forgot it. <laughs> what? Right. What she said. <laughs> I know who holds tomorrow. <laughs> I knew that part. Hallelujah. I need the Lord to tell me what to do. Yeah. I need him 
to tell me where to go, what to do, because I don't want to waste time. The Bible says that if the Lord doesn't build the house, they who labor, labor in vain. When we start to go on our next phase of building, and listen, when we're totally packed out for a service, and we, you know, we're out of room, we're out of candles, we're out of everything, that's a good thing to have a vision and say, okay, we, we got to get, we got to, Press on. We got to press in. We got to believe God. Amen? Amen. But we've had a prophetic word from the Lord that says, don't get in any big hurry. Seek me. Because everybody's got an opinion. You know, when we built that church at Loon Lake, actually, it was built by by all of us. Uh, Didn't have any outside help. Only $100 came to help us from any other source, and that was from a couple here in Lloydminster gave us $100. But the men cut down the trees, they, they made the lumber, and Pastor David would go over every day and work and build. He, you know what? He was not in construction. But he would pray and hear the Lord, and he'd go do it. And so, you know, a contractor came one time and said, you know, uh, Pastor David, you've got these joists too. You don't have to have them this close. That's, you know, you, regulation says such and such. David said, oh, that's okay. He didn't argue. He didn't say, you know, I know what I'm doing. He just said, that's okay. And then when the revival hit and people were dancing and you could go downstairs and the doors were boom, boom, boom because the floor was going like this. It didn't collapse. Why? Because the Holy Ghost said, put those joists closer together. Make it more stable. See? So we have to hear from the Holy Spirit. And you have to hear. So our senses cannot govern our destiny. Faith governs my destiny. I have to live. The Bible says that you cannot please God without faith. Without faith... It doesn't say you can't. It says it's impossible. It's impossible to please God without faith. And you must believe that he is. Now, most people believe God is God, but that just doesn't mean that you just believe God. Okay, there's a God. No, it means believe he is who he says he is. You must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that just come to church. Is he a rewarder of them that just give some money to the church? He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. There's not a whole lot of diligently seeking in our day, but I tell you, we can be those exceptions. We can be the people of God that say, I'm going to diligently seek. What does diligently seek him mean? Seek him in the morning and in the afternoon. <laughs> Seek him in the evening. Oh, whatever, da da da. So I got to quit trying to sing things because I don't even remember them. But <clears throat> you got to seek him at all times. You see, in our society, we, we applaud people that they are self made. You know, oh, that's a self made man. We applaud that. And you know what? It is worthy to be applauded, to be quite honest. But 
a godly man or woman will tell you, no, 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 no. It's the Lord's doing. It's, this is the Lord's doing, and it's marvelous in my eyes. Listen, this church is the Lord's doing. I'm thankful that we have a good praise team. I'm thankful that we have a great pastor. I'm thankful that we have great people in our church. But listen, this is the Lord's doing. It's his idea. So we want to do it his way. Hallelujah. God is always going to lead you by his spirit and let your spirit be leading too. Let me say that better. God's spirit will teach your spirit what to do. Amen? But we are raised with our, our five physical senses telling us what to do, right? I don't feel like it. Or I just can't see that ever happening. One, of a, one preacher is precious man of God. But, he, you know, he was raised in poverty. And he went to Hawaii one time with some good friends of ours. And, I mean, he's got a great church and he's doing great. Uh, but if you've ever been to Oahu and you're going on the main highway there, uh, that's away from the water, but up going north, uh, there's great mansions up in the hills. And he said, now when you're with a bunch of faith preachers, you got to watch what you say. <laughs> so he said, I cannot, I can't imagine living in a house like that. <laughs> One of my spiritual fathers said, well, then you never will. You have to have an image right? You have to have what you want. I'm telling you people, I think that we have gotten spiritually lazy. If you do not have some kind of faith project in your family and that your children know and that your family knows this is what we're believing for, then I encourage you to do that for 2018. Amen? Let's do that. Let's go on. Uh, there's a man named Ed Cole that was, <clears throat> he's in heaven now, but he, uh, he was a great man of faith that really started a men's movement. But he said, he wrote a book, and I remember it came out in uh, 1998. It was popular, but it was the right way to entering and leaving. Just a little book. I couldn't find it when I was looking. In fact, it's out of print now. But he said this. He said, attitude in leaving determines altitude in entering. Attitude in leaving determines altitude in entering. Do you understand? If I leave and I'm mad, and today we have so many broken homes and marriages break up. Well, if you leave that marriage and you carry the baggage of hurt and disappointment and anger and hatred, and you think you can marry someone else and it's all going to be different. No, no, you're still, you're taking that with you. You're taking it with you. Amen? It goes with changing churches. It goes with changing jobs. You know, I get, you know somebody gets mad at a, a boss and says, I'm not working for you anymore. I don't like working for you. Let me tell you, if you don't get your attitude right when you go into that next job, you're going to take that with you. And they're going to wonder why you're so mad. <laughs> you just started working and you're mad. You know why? You've taken that attitude into that relationship. 
It's so important. If I can stress anything today, it's so important that you're blessed going out and you're blessed coming in. The blessing of the Lord is upon you. Amen. When I stepped out of pastoring this church, I knew it was the will of the Lord. Pastor Jonathan knew it was the will of the Lord. The Lord had confirmed it so much. We knew that's what we needed to do for God to get this church where it needed to be. But let me tell you, I had to know that I could depend on the Lord for where I was supposed to go. Because I could feel pretty useless because I had my identity there. You see, you make your identity. This is who I am. I'm a mother. I'm a wife. I'm whatever. So my David goes to heaven. Okay, now I'm not a wife anymore. Okay, that identity's gone. Okay, my kids grow up and they marry. And one moves to the United States. The other one has his own, uh, you know, owns his own condo. I'm at home by myself. See, that identity is going. Not that you're not still their mother, but the identity is different. I want you to know that your identity has to be, has to be anchored in the word of God. What does he say? What does he say? Who does he say I am? My identity cannot be of what you think about me or what someone else. See, if you're always trying to please people, you know the Bible talks about people pleasers. I'm telling you, that is, that is a snare of the devil to always try to make people happy. I just want them to like me. I just want... That's why a lot of ministries have issues because they're trying to make everybody happy. Listen, our job as leaders is to hear from God and give the vision to you and to ourselves. The vision should not come from the people. The vision is God. We are Godward. The Bible says we are to be Godward to the people, not peopleward, peopleward to the God. We are Godward to the people you want, Pastor Jonathan, to be Godward. That's G-O-D-W-A-R-D. Godward to us. Because if we start trying to make everybody happy, we don't make God happy. I remember when, do you remember when the first, the seeker-friendly churches started coming? That was a term they used. And it's like, make all the, you know, make the, Visitors happy, make them happy. Let's don't do this. Let's don't speak in tongues out loud. You know, let's don't let's don't demonstrate the gifts of the spirit. You know, don't make them uncomfortable. Which read your Bible. <laughs> what if they told Paul that? Like, woohoo! <laughs> but I remember David and I were in another town and we were preaching, and it's way away from Lloydminster. And the pastor was driving us, and he said, I want my, he said, you know what? I, I want my church to be seeker-friendly, you know. That was the term we used in those days. And I remember David just putting his head back, and he said, well, I want my church to be God-friendly. And I was like in the back seat going, that's my man. <laughs> yes! We want to be God-friendly. And if you're God-friendly, you will be people-friendly. Because the Spirit of the Lord says, he, Jesus said, if I be lifted up, 
I will draw all men unto me. If, if we exalt him, he will do the drawing. You can't have enough coffee and donuts to make everybody happy. But I tell you, when you have the presence of the Lord, and when you have the Holy Ghost moving, and you have signs and wonders, and you have the gifts of the Spirit operating, Listen, the first time I got around people like us, scared me spitless. I'm telling you, people falling down, I I thought they had a heart attack and died and everybody was happy. I I didn't sleep that night. I thought they were going to kill me in the night. That's the truth. Now, I had a degree in science, but I was stupid. I I didn't know what they were going to do. And it scared me. But you know what? That was the first night. They didn't sing out of hymnals. That scared me. How can you have a meeting and ha- not have hymnals? <laughs> That's pretty spooky. <laughs> we were the first church in Lloydminster that had overhead projectors. We were talked about like, <gasps> they don't have hymnals. <laughs> now, what if we had an overhead projector today? Everybody go, huh? But I'm telling you, it did scare me. It did freak me out. And you might be here today, and I mean, we've been pretty calm today, so get ready. We're not like this all the time. But, you know, you might be thinking, I I don't know about this. But it was the next day I went to him and said, I don't know what you have, but I want what you have. It made me want something I didn't have. And I'd been in church all my life. But they had something I didn't have. And what was it? It was Jesus, a relationship with Jesus, not just a church. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It's important how we enter and how we leave. Before I went into full-time ministry, this was in 1976, the early part, and I was um, uh, working Two guys and I started an advertising agency. And um, so I heard the Lord say, I want you to quit your job. Well, I just didn't pay attention because I'm thinking, obviously he doesn't know that I have to pay rent, I have a car payment, and I don't have rich parents. I'm having to help my mama. My daddy's already dead. I have to help my mama. So... I can't just quit my job. Surely God doesn't know that. So I didn't do it. About a month later, he said it again. Brownie, I want you to quit this job. I remember going home back to my apartment and going, I'm, surely he doesn't realize. I, I want to obey God, but I can't quit my job. I need the money. And I'm telling you, this is what a lot of people do. They think about circumstances and how they're going to make it. Well, about a month later, the, <laughs> the state government controllers came in and uh, were going to bust us off for doing something, you know, that I didn't know we were doing wrong, but we were doing wrong. Uh, one of the partners was doing wrong, and they were going to put us all in jail. They were there that morning, and I go home at lunch, and it's like, oh, Jesus. Jesus. I mean, they're in, the, they're in the agency. Oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus. He said, I told you to quit two months ago. 
This is why. Okay, Jesus, if you'll just let me get out of this, <laughs> I'll quit. <laughs> I don't want to go to jail. Just let me get out of this. So I had it in my heart to quit, but I was still afraid. I was afraid. What am I going to do? 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 You ever had those thoughts? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? That's not trusting the Lord, by the way. That's, that's putting your trust in your own abilities. So now I had been trying to win my, the, the two guys to the Lord. I, they called me their token Christian. <laughs> You know, in those days, you had to have a token minority, token. So I was the token Christian. So I finally got up enough nerve at the end of the month because the, the legal things, somehow they, God helped us and we didn't go to jail. And so I went in and I said to the, the president, I said, um, you know, I'm going to give you my two-week notice. I'm going to leave. And he said, why? And I said, I really didn't have a reason except God told me to. And he said, would it help if I talked to him? <laughs> I said, go for it. <laughs> so I kept thinking, okay, God, I'm going to do this, but you better get me a job. I'm going to do this. So I quit. Now, I didn't have any inkling of a job. The day I quit, the next day, I'm telling you, the phone was ringing. My phone was ringing. That's before cell phones. So, you know, the, I was at my apartment, and my phone was ringing. You know, <clears throat> can you come? No, it, it was, actually, it was a day after I gave him my notice. And all these people wanted me to come work for them. I mean, it was amazing. And uh, they were having prayer meetings and having prophecies that I was supposed to work for, particularly this one Christian broadcaster. And I'd go to the Lord and say, God, I don't, that's not what, I don't know what to do, but I don't think that's you. It's hard when you, I'd only been saved uh, two years. And that's hard when you have seasoned spiritual people that are having prayer meetings to pray you into their business. And they have a prophet that comes and says, she's supposed to work for you. It's hard as, as only two years old in the Lord to say, no, that's not God. So I decided I'm going to go. I'm, I got to get out of here because... I don't know what to do. And I went, Brother uh, Savell was having one of the first believers conventions. And I went and uh, just said, I got to hear from you, God. I got to hear from you. Was there, I got there Sunday. I just drove in to, and got there at service. And <laughs> uh, he was meeting in a, a shopping mall. And so I, I drove in. I had on, I mean, you know, we were artsy and, and we were also kind of hippies. And so I didn't realize that you're, you know, when in my old church, we dressed up. But I told my mama, oh, we're, we're free from that stuff. <laughs> and we don't do that. So, uh, but Brother Savelle didn't have that memo. And uh, so they all dressed really nice. So I got there and I was a little late. And I came in, I had jeans, T-shirt on. And I'd been driving for four hours to get there. I walk in. Now, I have never met Jerry Savelle in my life. I didn't know him. I didn't know anybody. I walk in the door, and he goes, Young lady, I'm at the door. Back there where Tim is. Young lady, you have a word from the Lord for our church tonight. <laughs> what? <laughs> I do? 
That was the beginning of my ministry. <laughs> well, the Lord had been talking to me on my drive over, but I'm two years old in the Lord. And all I can think, if I get up there and he's going to sit behind me, I'm thinking, I'm going to make a bad confession. I know I'll make a bad confession. I will. I was, I was scared. But I just, I just started preaching. I guess I did okay. He said I did okay. So that was Sunday night. So we went to the meetings Monday, went to the meetings Tuesday. Wednesday morning, came in the, in the service, sat down. I'm like, all by myself. And the Spirit of the Lord said to me, I've taught you. And he started naming all the things that I knew how to do because I got my degree in computer science. And in those days, uh, there was only two women in our, our college that were in computer science. It was, it was hard to get a job as a woman because they thought only men could be analysts. You could be a data entry person, but you couldn't be a systems analyst. Well, that's what I was. So that's why I was working in an advertising agency. And uh, so, but I knew how to do computers. I knew how to do stuff. And so God said, I taught you all that to help my servant. So I thought he meant Jerry Savelle. So I, I didn't know you weren't supposed to go talk to them afterwards. I thought, hey, I came from a little church. We talked to everybody. So afterwards, I go, he's with Fred Price. And I go and chase him to the elevator. And I say, hey, the Lord told me I was supposed to help his servant. And I know how to do all this stuff. Jerry said, you know, people all over the United States want to work for me. I'm sorry, I don't need anybody. I said, no. elevator closed. And I'm standing there. But he knew who I was staying with because she went to his church, which was one of my uh, friends from Texarkana. And uh, so that he tells, he tells the story that as the elevator closed, he heard the word of the Lord and God said, call Kenneth and tell him what she just said. So he, he, said, he said he'd never recommended anybody. But he called Brother Copeland. Brother Copeland started shouting and saying, Mama and I prayed last night for someone to, that could do this and get my ministry on computers. By that after evening, I had a phone call, be there at 6 o'clock. I was working for Brother Copeland by the evening. Now, everybody was so excited. I wasn't that excited. It's like, I, at that time, I thought he just sang, and I didn't like his music. So it's like, okay, I'll get him on computers, but he's not my favorite. <laughs> I love you, Brother Copeland. <laughs> I, I, did, I do love him. But what I'm saying is it was important that I had to leave to get into what God wanted me to do. But I could have saved myself some anxiety if I'd obeyed God the two months before. But I was concerned about money. I was concerned about those things we read in the offering. I was worried about many things because I had nobody to bail me out. You know, like some people, they might have parents that could pay their rent or what. I had nobody, but I had Jesus. And the story is still continuing. But what I want you to hear is God trained me in things and had me do things, break barriers for women in that, that area for the gospel. Not for me, not for Brother Copeland, for the gospel. And so 
I didn't trust God enough to know that, but he had a plan. My destiny was waiting for me, but I had to enter in faith. Amen? And so I, I want you to understand that your destiny has, you have to hear from God. And don't be like me. Don't be slow to obey. You know, Isaiah 119 says, if you are willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. Willing and obedient. The New American says, if you consent and obey. See, you can obey and not be willing. Those are both important, willing and obedient. You, you uh, marry, you, co- you make a marriage covenant, you have a wedding, you stand before God and stand before the people, you say things, you make a vow to God. Okay, this is what we're going to do. That's easy on that day, you know. Or maybe it's not that easy for some people, but you're in love. <laughs> that helps. <laughs> But you got to remember that vow through the years. And you, got, you can't give place to the devil in any area. Right? The Bible says give him no place. So you can't have strife and division. But in Isaiah when it says that you, if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. Let me tell you, obedience will open the door. It will create an atmosphere for miracles. If we all, as just the people here today, if we all said, you know what, I am going to obey everything God tells me to do. I'm going to obey God. I'm going to be willing and I'm going to be obedient. Just us. Let me tell you, this city would be changed. Number one, we'd be changed. <clears throat> Brother uh, Tracy Harris said this. Uh, I, I don't know if it was here or somewhere else, but I wrote it down. He said, you can't leave up to God what he has already left up to you to do. Do you understand that? You can't leave something up to God after he's already left it up for you to do. Amen? Remember, he's already given you the the authority to cast out devils. Right? He's given you the authority to lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. But many times we just say, well, if the Lord wants to do it, he can do it. The Lord has given it to us to do. And that's why some people get uncomfortable in a church like us because we tell you it's your responsibility. We don't don't cop out and say, well, you know, God, you never know about God. You never know. The Bible says we do know. We do know. We can know. He has given us to know, the Bible says in the New Testament, he has given us to know the mysteries of the gospel. So we can't use that excuse anymore. David and I, when we stood before God and made our vows, we had already made the vow, divorce is not an option. It's not an option. It's not going to be spoken. We're not going to say it. Now, this is, don't get under condemnation if you've been divorced or something. <clears throat> I'm, not, I'm not trying to do that. I'm trying to say you do better. When you know better, you do better, right? And most people get married without even seeking God about who they're supposed to marry. So uh, no wonder things don't work out sometimes. But God 
tells us that if I make a vow, I keep a vow. If God tells me, Brownie, I want you to give this person some certain amount of money. And if I say, okay, but what if I forget? Have you ever had that happen? You, it's not that you don't want to obey. It's just you forgot. <laughs> the first winter we were here in Loon Lake, <clears throat> we didn't have money, no money. And uh, so we lived in this little house. And the <laughs> it was, remember, it was 40 below the first week I was in Canada. <laughs> and I still stayed. But... <laughs> I love God and I love David. So, and I love the people. But our, our windows would be so thick with frost and we would put our milk in the closet upstairs and it would freeze. Now that's cold in your house. But we didn't have money to get a refrigerator. And so we'd been there about a month and we'd put food out on the porch and the magpies would get into it. I mean, they could open a box. They were smart dudes. And... Uh, about a month later, we get this, this check from somebody, and they said, God told me to send this a few weeks ago, but I've been disobedient. I'm going, why didn't you obey God? But you know, I've done the same thing. God's so merciful, isn't he? He's so gracious, he forgives us. Amen. But I want us to enter in and ask God. I want you to ask God what you want. First, seek him what he wants for you to have, and then ask him for it. Don't be afraid to ask several, uh, probably two years ago, I preached a message on asking. The Bible says in the book of James, you have not because you ask not. And when you do ask, you ask amiss to satisfy your own lust. Isn't that right? Most people are asking for things that will satisfy their own lust. Lust, not, I'm not talking about sexual. I'm talking about lust could be for anything, right? So, you know, oh, I'm going to ask God for this, and I'm going to ask God, why don't you ask God what he wants? God, what would make you happy? What can I, what can I ask you for that would make you happy? When the scripture says he gives you the desires of your heart, when I first heard that, I thought, okay, whatever I want, he'll give it to me. That's like a spoiled child, isn't it? I'm going to Toys R Us, and whatever I want, he's going to give it to me. Well, that's how I thought that scripture meant, but thank God for godly teachers, right, that teach you proper. He puts the desires in my heart. He's the one that put Canada in my heart when two years before, that young man named David Bounds, who was living in Frenchman Butte, ministering on Onion Lake Reserve, said, Brownie, you ought to come to Canada. And I said, I'll never go to Canada. It's too cold. Good to say that today, right? Now I say, I'll never live in Texas. It's too hot. <laughs> but you see, God put that desire in me. God had to put the desire in me. So God gives you the desire. So ask God. You have not because you ask not. But if you read that, and we don't have time, but in James 4, it talks about that he'll give you grace. He gives you grace to do that. He gives you grace. And at the end of that, that uh, scriptures in James, that's where it says, so be subject to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you.
You ask God. Ask God for what you want and what you're believing for. But you're going to have to resist the devil because the devil will come and tell you you can't have it. How dare you ask? You have to resist the devil. The devil is trying to stop us, but we won't be stopped. And lastly, Paul says it over and over. Jesus said it first in John 8. He said, if you continue in my word, continue is a big thing. Some people get excited about the word in a special meeting. And, uh, oh, yes, I'm going to do this. Oh, yes, I'm going to do that. But they don't continue. In any relationship, in anything you're doing, any season, you have to learn how to continue. You learn to continue no matter what your feelings are, no matter what your, your mind is saying. You know what? The enemy is speaking to your mind all the time. But we don't listen to that. We resist the devil and he will flee. First, but before you do that, it says humble yourself before God. Amen. Amen. Paul said, now when the meeting, this is in Acts 13, said when the meeting of the synagogue had broken up, many of the Jews and of the God-fearing proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who speaking to them were urging them to continue in the grace of God. Now, let me read you. That was in verse 43, verse 44. He urged them to continue in the grace of God. Verse 44 says, The next Sabbath, nearly the whole city assembled to hear the word of the Lord. In my Bible, I've got that underlined, and I say Lloydminster. I want a day. When we continue in the grace of God and in the word of God, that the day will come when our whole city... Listen, every church would be filled. We don't even have room and enough churches to put the people in. But I, I mean, we could meet in a field, whatever. The whole city assembles to hear the word of the Lord. I want to be the parking lots of the churches to be more full than the casino parking lots. Amen? Well, how's it going to come if we continue? Because it's up to you and I to continue. God's looking for some people that say, I'm not quitting. I'm going to continue. I'm going to be there when it's good. I'm going to be there when it's bad. I'm going to be there when it's easy, and I'm going to be there when it's tough. Paul said, I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. I want to have a group of people at the Word Church that we know. We know how to... I mean, we've been through some tough times. We've been through some times that that would have made other people quit. But let me tell you, thank you for not quitting. We're not quitting. We've only just begun. Because God has our destiny. And our destiny will affect an entire region. When God said to David Bounds, when he was 20 years old, I think, he was, came into Lloyd Minster at the post office when it was down there where, you know, the, the old post office. He sat in the car and God spoke to him sovereignly and said, David, I want you to come and preach faith and grace to this Midwest region. Aren't you glad somebody said yes? Aren't we glad? And there's other preachers, there's other people, there's you 
You had to say yes at some point. Yes, I'm going to follow Jesus. Yes, I'm going to live godly. Yes, I'm going to do what God says. Ephesians 6 says, having done everything to stand firm. And it says it more than once. It says, stand firm, therefore. You do everything you can, and then you just stand. You make a stance, and you say, I will not be moved. Proverbs 10, 25 in the New, uh, the New International Version said, the righteous stand firm forever. I love that. Because I've had to stand, have you? I've had to stand. I believe we, you've all had opportunities. If you haven't, you will have. Where you're just going to have to stand and say, I will not be moved. When the doctor gives a bad report, you stand and say, I will not be moved. When a child acts like they're going to just not serve God, you say, nope. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Nope, not having it. Not going to do it. Not having it. I'm going to stand. When you got a pile of bills at the end of the year and you got a you got taxes due, you got insurance due, and you look at those and you go, ah, you're going to stand firm and say, I'm a tither. He says he'll rebuke the devourer for my sake. I don't rob God. <laughs> I heard a story this week. This was, it was <laughs> this uh, adult woman was going out on a date, first date with this guy. They'd only got, gone a few blocks, and she said to him, are you a tither? And he goes, and she, I mean, he'd been in church with her. It's not like she didn't. You know, he went to the same church. He heard the same sermon she preached. He, she said, are you a tither? He said, well, well, and he starts giving reasons, you know. She said, turn this car around. I'm not marrying anybody that's going to rob God. Oh, I went, yes, yes. We have to be bold, don't we? Praise the Lord. He comes to make his blessings known far as the curse is found. You're going to go into 2018 blessed of the Lord. But you have got to start speaking the word. Don't speak the problem, speak the promise. Amen? And when we come back next week, Pastor Jonathan will be here. I want you to have time this week with yourself and with your family. And put down some spiritual goals. What do you, you know, you ought to have a goal to, to be further along. Remember this word of the Lord a couple of years ago from, from Terry Pearson's when she was here. said, you have to, how'd she say, just keep going along. Push, a little, push it along. Just keep pushing it along. Amen? You, with your faith, you just keep pressing on. Amen? I just, I just keep pressing on. I don't, I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I hear. I'm moved by what God says. I'm going to press on. We're going to press on in 2018. We're going to have a glorious year if we do what God says. And we are, cho- are we going to choose that? Amen. Amen. You can stand up. Praise the Lord.